My name is Leslie Payne. Welcome to day 18 of Below the Median Income. Some background information about how I came up with this. First is the Jim Rohn quote that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Secondly, on March 12, 2018, Director Joshua V. Barr of the Des Moines Civil and Human Rights Commission said, We have 75% of students experiencing some form of poverty in Des Moines public schools. So what can we do to improve that outlook? Research has shown that if a person remains in an impoverished condition up through their adolescent years, they are more likely to remain in that position as they become older and become adults. That information made me think of a person being in a space that they could see but were not participating in. It evolved into an idea for an art installation of aerial images of Des Moines displayed on the floor. The images place the visitor outside the space they routinely travel. The audio components are interview recordings obtained from people involved with public or nonprofit organizations. The interviews tell the visitor about where that person routinely travels. The installation contrasts Des Moines ranking as a best-in-nation place to live, Iowa nice reputation of being overly friendly and go out of our way to help fellow citizens, and the visitor's personal story of where they travel in the city. You are listening to the audio component of my project. I didn't want the interviews to be an unheard story in a gallery setting. The best way I thought to prevent that was to make them available as a podcast. My guest for day 18 is Mathia. She is a support group facilitator and trainer for the state of Iowa with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. The mental health organization is dedicated to building better lives for those affected by mental illness. The staff and volunteers work in your community to raise awareness and provide support and education that was not previously available to those in need. Thank you for joining me, Mathia. What neighborhood of Des Moines do you live in? I live in Oak Ridge neighborhood. Who do you live with? Myself. Finish the sentence. When I step outside the place I live, I see... Other apartments, mature trees, a picnic table, an outdoor stationary grill, and a small playground for the kids. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood, and only a few African-Americans were in the neighborhood. The elementary school I went to had only three or four African-American children attended, and by the time I graduated from Minneapolis Central High School, there were about 30 in my graduating class. Now the neighborhood I grew up in is just about all. African-American. Do you vote in elections? Voting is really important to me. Besides the fact that my ancestors died so we as black folks could vote, my father was a huge civil rights activist in Minneapolis. He was the president of the NAACP led the Minnesota contingent to the March on Washington, let's say 1963. 
He, in the name of NAACP, brought a lot of lawsuits against the state of Minnesota and the city of Minneapolis as far as getting more black firefighters, police officers, and there was a anti-segregation suit, a fair housing suit, that he was actually responsible for getting through the NAACP. It kind of sort of is in our DNA, but I want to make sure that I have some input in the electoral process. How did you end up in Des Moines? I've been here eight years. I had an adult daughter living with autism. She was in crisis, so I needed to come here and assist her. She doesn't live with me, but I do work with the agency that works with her to help her with self-sufficiency. She's doing way better than she was when I first came. In fact, my plan is to go back home within the next, at the latest, two years. My hope is less than a year, but two years at the most. What was your first impression of Des Moines? It's smaller than Minneapolis, and they have very different values than what I was raised. It would appear that the middle class African Americans are a lot more tolerant of the inequities of the ignorances of white folks than those that don't have that much privilege, the black folks that don't have that much privilege. That's not the way it is in Minneapolis at all. It's kind of way different. It was a cultural change to move here. Describe a typical weekday. I am retired, so there isn't a typical weekday. I get a leisurely wake up. I watch TV, eat breakfast, read books, work on a project, and go to a meeting or do a presentation. That's kind of basically my normal day. I have, like today, I'm talking to you, <laughs> and then I'm going to go and pick up my daughter. I'm going to go eat and then go to see that movie, Us. Do you go to church or follow a religious practice? I am a Baptist. I'm a member of a Baptist church. I consider myself spiritual, and I really don't attend a place of worship on a regular basis, but I have what they call a church family, so I can go into the church, and I know a lot of folks there. How has volunteering your time made an impact on your life? It kind of defines who I am. When my kids were growing up, I was the president of two PTAs. I was on site-based management at the schools, and... I did some other community activist stuff. Just before I left, I started volunteering when the people came to Minneapolis because they got displaced from the Gulf Coast because of Katrina. There were a few of us that volunteered like 16 hours a day. 
I then became the director of a program, so then I got paid. Since I've been here, I volunteered a lot at church, actually, and I started a mental health ministry at Corinthian Baptist Church. I volunteer a lot with Mommy Greater Des Moines, the NAACP, and, oh, CCI. That's enough, I think, even <laughs> though I try. I'm retired, so I'm trying to make sure that I have this free time. I work really hard at it some, yeah. sometimes. It takes a long time to get retired. <laughs> <laughs> What's something you do for yourself? I spend time with my adult children, and I have adult grandchildren. I have eight children, and I don't even remember how many grandchildren. I actually have great-grandchildren. So there's a lot of them. My youngest daughter is like 34. She lives in Washington, D.C., and is a public defender. So I will see her next month, and I'll spend time with her, and that's me time for me. What trait do you admire most in the people closest to you? Intelligence, kindness, and commitment to community. When is the last time you asked for help? I am not really good at that. When I broke my ankle, I had to ask one of my daughters to actually bring me to Minnesota because I needed to get the medical assistance. She was pretty angry at me that I waited so long to ask, but I really have a difficult time. And if I can get around it, I'll do it. I'm going out of town, and Mommy is paying for the trip. There were some questions I had about the flight, and I actually asked the person that makes the arrangements, the questions that I had. Normally, I would break my neck to research it so I could find it on my own. I was proud of myself. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot to me. What motivates you? Justice. When I see injustice, I have a real difficult time not doing anything. Whatever I can do to change the way things are, I'll try. You know, and I get pretty frustrated sometimes because it just seems nothing's going to change. But that's what motivates me more than anything. How did you find out about NAMI? <laughs> Actually, my best friend from high school when I was in Minnesota. I was the director of African American Outreach at NAMI, Minnesota. And she had asked me if I wanted a job, a different job. I went and I interviewed. They gave me the job. That was the first I knew about NAMI. After I had been there for about six months, I had made a commitment that even, I said, the rest of my life, I'm going to work with folks with mental health because when I meet somebody that is not affected by mental health, I will quit doing this work. I have yet to meet anybody that 
with a mental illness themselves or doesn't have a close loved one that has a mental illness. And in the African-American community, it's worse. My goal right now is to develop some programs in the African-American community. So I have been working with NAMI, oh my goodness, almost 15 years, I guess, as a paid person and as a volunteer. What have you learned about yourself through your involvement with NAMI? I'm more patient than I thought I was. But then I'm not as tolerant as I thought I was. I've learned that I have the ability to learn different personality styles so that I can work with them. Which, if you'd asked me even three years ago, I would tell you I don't have any patience for folks, period. So I've gotten better with that in my old age. I've learned a lot about myself, and it makes me happy. What challenges do you run into as a state trainer? Different personalities. Racism is incredible, and ageism is incredible, in that I'm an old black woman, so therefore, when I come to do the training, there are some younger Caucasian folks that have a tendency to be just downright rude. That's why I said I have learned to deal with different kinds of personalities. The thing is, what they don't realize is I have the control. I have the power to certify them or not certify them. So they might want to work with me. Most of the folks I can work with and kind of move them along. There have been a couple that I did a favor by pulling them aside and saying, you are getting real close to not getting certified, and these are the things that you need to do. I've done that because I'm older. Had I been younger, they just wouldn't have been certified, period. But now I do realize that some people just don't know better. That's just who they are. If you can work with them, that's good. But if you can't, they can't be good facilitators for people that live with a mental illness because people have different kinds of mental illness. It's just not one. How long does it take to get certified for NAMI? It depends on where you live what the need is in that area and what the resources are because we're mostly volunteer. For me, because I was a staff person in Minnesota, I had access to resources that a lot of other folks did. It was relatively a short time for me to be certified because I just consistently went through the different trainings. Here in Des Moines, it normally takes folks about a year. How do people find out about support groups for NAMI? We have a newsletter and websites, and primarily that's how they find out. We are not doing real active outreach because we don't have enough facilitators. So in the city of Des Moines, that, what did you say, has six 
funded. Um, if you talk about Greater Des Moines, it hovers around six hundred, seven hundred fifty thousand, depending on how far out you want to go. Okay. Well, we have a support group that meets in the afternoon every Tuesday, and then a support group that meets Wednesday evenings twice a month. We don't have enough facilitators to do anymore, so we can't do real active outreach. My plan is within the next six months to train some African-American facilitators to go into the churches and do some support groups. But it's real difficult to do because there is a huge stigma in the African-American community, partly because... The medical community hasn't been real kind to the African-American community, and you're talking about people's brains. So why would we have the medical community do something with our brains? It's like, nope. But that's my goal. What's your favorite part of being a facilitator? I love seeing people learn to like themselves, learn to accept their mental illness, and go from a totally pale face to all of a sudden having color in their face. And that's whether they're white or black. It's like when they first come, they're really insecure. It takes a lot of courage to come to the first meeting. But after they've been coming for a while, it's amazing to see them smile and have more confidence and actually give support to other folks. So totally committed to particularly the support groups just because of that and the education groups because family members are the same way. When they come, they feel so isolated because their loved ones live with an illness and they go from that to, well, I know a little bit more. I don't feel like I'm dumb, stupid, ignorant, and crazy. And I know it's not my fault. It keeps you going. It keeps me going anyway. <laughs>